Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. I'm excited about today because um, Pastor Eliza Fine is going to deliver the word today. So would you guys warmly welcome her as she comes on up here to share? Do you have your Bible? Let me see. Bring your swords. Don't go around swordless. I mean, the phones are nice, but um, it's super important, I believe, to really be familiar and grow. Not like, not familiar, like, oh, I know that, but like, be in the word, know the word, know how to get around the word. It's such a gift. Um, we're going to start out in Revelation 1, so you can go ahead and turn there, and I'm going to pray. Jesus, we we love you. I ask, Father, that your kingdom would come. I ask, Father, that your will would be done. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying. I pray that our hearts would be stirred at the power of your word. I thank you that your word is living and active. I thank you, Lord, that this has nothing to do with me. I'm just a, 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 a messenger, but it's your word that we're wanting. And I ask that you would breathe life on it and that it would bring transformation, your purposes for now. We, I pray, Father, that we would be the place to receive and grow, and be transformed. I ask that you would order everything, what you have specifically for today. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, for some of you, you may know that we have been um, corporately on a journey in prayer in Revelation. How, how many knew that? Okay, good. We all need to know it. <laughs> um, because I feel like it's the Lord. It's so his heart. And um, I don't know, it's probably close to two years ago. Um, we, I, um, I lead push and we have two times of prayer. Um, Wednesday morning at 10 and then um, Tuesday night at 630. And, and we understand that everybody cannot be a part of that. But so we're putting the prayer points inside the weekly. Everybody know what the weekly is? Okay, if you don't have the weekly, you're missing out. <laughs> um, and so anyway, about two years ago, I felt like the Lord said, I've been leading, we've been, how long we've been doing push, which means pray till something happens. Yeah, for a long time. We're going to continue on. <laughs> but about two years ago, not quite, we've been in the spring, this coming spring will be two years, the, the Lord began to speak to me. He said, I want you to begin to pray out of Revelation. And I was intimidated by that, to be honest. And I actually have a memory of being in college and sitting... It's funny, I, there's so much I don't remember, but there's a few things like are so crisp in my mind. And I was sitting on my bed in college and I was reading and the Lord said, Revelation is going to be important. And you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna speak or I don't even have to speak. I just, I felt like there's going to be things you're going to be stupiding out of Revelation. And I just like basically said, that's crazy. And I stepped away from it. <laughs> um, not, I mean, I, I've read it, but never... Um, so anyway, 
I shared um, with Marilyn, Carolyn, like, pray for me because I don't even know what this means. And I don't have a definition. I'm just on a journey with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that what we're all on? And so um, we have been praying through Revelation. And we, um, this fall, so 18 months later, we finally finished Revelation 1. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a journey. And... Um, and now we've begun Revelation 2. Revelation 2 and 3 is, um, well, actually, I'm just going to, let me just read. Revelation 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent, and he signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all the things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. I'm just going to pause and say that right now, as we read this, there's a blessing for you. His word is living and active. Okay? So I don't want you to miss that. I want you to open up your heart. Who wants to receive a blessing? Okay? So blessed are you who reads and who hears and who keeps. And the thing is, we need the Holy Spirit to show us what does that even mean to keep? His word. Okay, so back to your blessing. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth to him who loved us and washed us from our own sins in his blood. And he has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. I was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit and on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamos and to Thyatira and Sardis and Philadelphia and to Laodicea. And then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. Oh. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, and he was clothed with garments down to his feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His hair and head were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun, shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I felt it, his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives, was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. 
and I have the keys of Hades and of death. Write the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands and the seven stars are the angels of the churches, the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. I'm going to pause for a minute. So we've been on this journey, and um, see, Revelation is, first of all, it's not a book to unfold things that are to come. It's actually revealing Jesus. Okay, so we need to understand that the whole thing of this book is to see Jesus for who he really is. He is, he was, and he is to come. Guys, he's coming. He is coming. He, he, he came, and he's with us, and he's coming again. Um, fun fact. Let me just read this thing. The word Advent, we're in a season of Advent. The word Advent means coming from the Latin word Adventus, which means coming. Advent was connected to the coming of Christ. Originally, Christians used this term to refer to Christ's second coming, but by the Middle Ages, Advent was connected to Christ's first coming to celebrate Christmas. So when Advent first began, it was in this anticipation, he's coming again. And, and, and I'm all about celebrating that he came. That's a very important part of the story. We don't want to miss that. And I don't want to lose sight that he is the one that is walking amongst the seven churches. It's one church, guys. Just like that menorah is one. And everything you read in Revelation is rooted and grounded in Genesis all the way up to Revelation. Every bit of it. It's symbolic, and that's why it's so important to know his word. There's so much, and we can feast and chew on it. And I guarantee you, for eternity, we're still going to go, whoa! If the angels are around the throne going, holy, 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 I guarantee you we're going to be blown over and over and over again because we can't begin to comprehend or grasp how great he is. The reason I'm telling you this is because... Um, we are stepping into, we've just begun over the past few weeks, and, and I don't, it's not a rush thing, but we're going through what is the Spirit saying to the churches? And when you look at these seven churches and everything that's saying, there's some common threads that are to all of them. It starts with a, a, a um, symbol or a description of Jesus, of what we just read. And it talks of this encouragement. This is what I see. And then there's also um, some places, in most of them, of where you can change and grow. I don't know about you, but I want to be fully given to him and allow him to fully have his way in my life that I can represent him well. And it's, see, the thing is, when we see him for who he is, we don't have to be afraid to what he might say. We actually welcome the conviction, not, not condemnation. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, which we are in. There's no condemnation, but we want the conviction so that we are transformed. Because, see, he's light, and he says, we are what? Light. And in him, there's no darkness, and he's wanting us to follow him so that we can represent, represent him to the world all around us. I need to take a sip of water. <laughs> Excuse me. So... Sometimes, as followers of, of Jesus or church people or whatever, we can hear a message or go, wow, I'm glad that's not me, or I hope someone's always hearing that. But I want to encourage you in this journey, and I don't know how long we'll be, and I'm not saying we'll be hearing this every Sunday because that's not what's going to be happening, but in the weekly, every week, you know, we're going to spend time looking at these, 
these the different things as churches. And, and here's what I'd like for you to do. Just ask the Holy Spirit. Show me if there's anything I need to see. Just show me. Because it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's like what Mandy was talking about. Sometimes we have, we're believing lies. We're not seeing things rightly. We need his help. We need that. We need his, we, and we want that fully. Okay. Um, so we're in um, Revelation 2. I'm going to go ahead and read this. And then we're going to get to the message. <laughs> to the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Okay, I'm going to pause and break this down a little bit. So he who holds the, the seven stars, he already told us in Revelation 1 that those seven stars are angels. It's actually the same word also for messenger or the one prepared. So it could be leaders. It doesn't really matter. Because then that's the other thing. If Jesus was and is, is to come, I guarantee you everything that's reading here, there's things that, would, that I bet that the church, when they saw Jerusalem being burned, were thinking, okay, we're here. <laughs> Just like Babylon. I mean, this is a timeless, living, active thing. And we think in terms of, and, and it's like this, every, every season, okay, Lord, help me. <laughs> See, this has been building, and this is why, like, um, I feel like I'm giving you a filet mignon dinner. <laughs> and you're going to need time to chew it. <laughs> and that's why it's an invitation to us as a body. See, even recently, um, when Joanne was here, she said over this house, this is a, a church that perseveres, there's wisdom, and it's like I see the yellow ribbon, which represents a homecoming. I think what, what one of the things we carry is a generation that prepares room for him. Get ready, the king's coming. And, and that doesn't mean that we all need to, you know, wear camel clothes and eat locusts. You don't have to be weird. <laughs> but I do believe that there's a forerunner message on this house to prepare the way he's coming. All right. So, he's the one who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Now, this whole seven golden lampstands, you know, I think when I used to read this, I only saw, like, you know, you step into Narnia and there's a lampstand. Okay. How many have kind of imagined seven lampstands? Like Narnia. There's one here and there's one here. But if you actually look back to Zechariah or you look back to the priests, they were told to make a lampstand that was connected, seven golden lampstands. This is already, see, remember he is the was and who is and is to come. Everything is done on purpose. But what I want you to know and while we are having this table here in that lamp is to remember he's with us right now. Do you know he's here? He's here. And yet he's coming in a way we've not yet seen him. And he came, but he's here right now. He's Emmanuel, God with us. Okay, um, so this is what he says to the first church. But once again, it's not like he has seven. I mean, it's like if God is three in one, there's one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? Everybody got that? Okay, there's seven churches, but it's what? One church. Okay. This is what he says to Ephesus, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear these things which are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and you found them liars, and you've persevered, and you have patience, and you've labored for my name's sake, and you've not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, You've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I come to you quickly and remove your lampstand. I don't think it's saying you're not going to be a church. I think it's saying the influence, the light, without the first love, first, we're not going to be bright. 
okay? Our, our ministry, first and foremost, always is going to be to him. He said, here from, from Deuteronomy, here Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord your God is one. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus said the same thing, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love is everything. So we're halfway through this um, first church, so you can pick up in January and just start jumping in. Even if you can't physically be here, jump in. Remember there where you've fallen, repent and do the works, or else I'll come to you quickly, remove the lampstand, unless you repent. But this you have, you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. That's a mixture of, anyway, there's more to that. <laughs> he who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And to him whoever comes, I'll give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. I have so much I want to say to you. <laughs> I'm going to keep it really simple. Let this house be a people that are of first love. Let's love him with everything and let's love well one another and let's carry love wherever we go. All right, so I told you last week um, that I've been running and I saw this table. And specifically, it is to remind us, there's so much it's saying. In fact, I feel like there's some components that will be added next week. Last week, during worship, I was looking at it, and I began to hear the Holy Spirit talk about, I'm the God who prepares. And I want us to spend some time looking at how he prepares. And some of it you know, but I'm asking that God will take it from here to here, that we know it. That it becomes that place of hope and peace and joy and love no matter what. Okay, so we're going to go through quick. We're going to throw some scriptures up, and I'm going to ask you, what do you see that God prepares? You ready? You know me. I like to interactive. All right, so Psalm 23, 5. You prepare a table for me before the enemies, the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. What does he prepare? He prepares a what? He prepares a table. Very good. Thank you. Okay, Psalm 31, 19. Okay, what is that in the New King James, Jesse? <laughs> All right. Yeah, everything's going to be in the New King James. He does prepare favor. It's coming. I was thinking, I double-checked and triple-checked. <laughs> okay. What does he prepare? You have to read and think a little bit. His goodness. It says, how great is your goodness for which you've laid up on those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in the presence of men. That means when the world around us, they see his goodness that's stored up for us because we trust him. He's preparing. And this isn't just, a, this is an active thing. He's preparing. He has prepared. He is preparing. Okay, um, Matthew 22, 2 to 4. Okay, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding and they were not willing to come. 
he sent out other servants saying, tell those who were invited, see, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle are killed and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. What has he prepared? He's prepared dinner, a feast, a wedding. Very good. Okay, let's look at Matthew 25, 31 to 34. When the Son of Man comes in glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. And all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep in his right hand, but the goats on the left. And the king will say to those in his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. What's he prepared? From how long? That's a long time, guys. <laughs> I'm just curious. How many of us have a propensity of impatience? <laughs> yep. I don't think God does. <laughs> He's very purposeful in what he does. All right, let's look at Luke 2, 29 to 32. This is Simeon talking, and that's in the NLT. We need it in the New, in the New King James. I'm going to start reading it. Okay, well, there we go. Now, remember, this is Simeon. Simeon had been waiting, watching and waiting. And Mary and Joseph bring baby Jesus in, and he just goes off in prophecy. <laughs> he says, now, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. What is he prepared? Salvation. Okay. Let's look at Luke 14, 16 to 17. You missed that one? That's okay. You know, um, our sound people and our media people, they have so much on them. And um, I'm so grateful for them. When You know, most of us don't even think about them being here until things aren't going the way we think they should. And then they fill all the eyes on them. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> See, that was all my fault. It was Luke 14, 16 to 17. Luke 14, 16, 17. So you can look at me like, why isn't it ready? This is supposed to be about being prepared. <laughs> well, I have to look it up so they can look it up. So you can be patient. You got it, Jesse? Luke 14, or if anybody, has anybody found it? Luke 14, 16, 17. Oh, and he said to him, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come for now all things are ready. What was prepared? A feast, a meal. Okay, John 14, 1 through 6. Do not let your heart be troubled. Jesus is talking. It's not in red, but I know he's talking. <laughs> you believe in God, believes also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare 
a place for you. What's he preparing? He's preparing a place for us. Um, 1 Corinthians 2.9. But as it is written, I has not seen nor heard nor have entered into the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. He has things prepared that you haven't even considered. That man hasn't even seen or even entered in their heart. That's exciting. Hebrews eleven thirteen. This is in the the chapter of the heroes of faith. And the writer says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed them that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly, they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country which they had come from, they would have had an opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. He has prepared a city. Guys, you guys could spend the rest of your life just trying to explore all the things that God's preparing. But I want to talk a little bit about this meal and about the table that he's prepared. We're going to look at Luke 22, verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat. So they said to him, Where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters. And then you will say to the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And then he will show you a large furnished upper room there make ready. And so they went and they found it just as he said and they prepared the Passover. When the hour had came, Jesus sat down, and the 12 apostles with him. And then he said to them, guys, get this. I believe as we're going through these scriptures that you are pretty familiar with, I believe your eyes are going to begin to open and see the greatness of Jesus for you and for me. Lord, I pray that you would help our ears to hear things we've not seen or heard before. Jesus said, with fervent desire, I've desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he said to them, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. Behold, the hand of the betrayer is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to the man by whom he's betrayed. And then they begin to question themselves, which one of it would do such a thing? <laughs> Could you imagine? Is it me? <laughs> Jesus, it says, he had 
earnestly desired. See, I think we get short-circuited because of what I'm going to show you in Scripture is that before the foundation of the world, the lamb, the Passover lamb, was slain. From, and next week, when we're going through this mercy at the manger, see, the thing is, is that this is one incredible love story. Every bit of it. Every bit of it points to this one who is and who was and who is to come. You know, Mandy was talking about community. Do you know when we leave today, if there were four of us and someone says, so what happened at church today? Do you think that there would be four different accounts of the same thing? Remember how last week I told you that the body, every part is important? Okay, well, we're going to look at this table, just this table of communion that we take regularly from four different accounts. So that was Luke. Now I want you to go back to Matthew 26. Verse 26, and they were eating, and Jesus took bread, blessed, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat this, my body. Then he took the cup, and he gave thanks, and he gave to them, saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it, new with you in my Father's kingdom. And they went out and they sung a hymn, and they went out to the Mount of Olives. Okay, let's look at Mark. Let's see what Mark has to say about this. Mark fourteen twenty two. Now, what we can lose sight of not being Jewish is that the Passover meal was something that they were very familiar with. And it, who knows? I mean, you guys, I'm assuming many of you know what was what was Passover showing. Exodus and Israelite, okay? And so all of that, everything that happened with the Israelites being delivered was a prophetic picture, even for us now. Okay, so Jesus is now, like they're going, it was a very normal and natural thing for a Jewish family to celebrate Passover. But when he's going, all of a sudden he's going, this is my body broken for you. And I don't know about you, but how many times, sometimes do we have to hear things a lot of times to begin to get it? <laughs> And we're, we're continuing to grow. Could you imagine those disciples like, what is he saying? He told them over and over, I'm going to die and I'm going to be raised again. But then when it began to happen, it's like they hadn't even heard it. And we're like that. He's, think, he's saying things to us. But see, part of why I felt like the, the Lord wants us to see, this, is, this communion is part of the table he prepares he prepared for you in the presence of your enemies. Are there things that you're walking through? There, there can be things. You might be battling with sickness. You might be in a relationship that's kind of struggling right now. You could have a financial, you know, whatever it is. But there's a constant table that is prepared for you, communion with him in the presence of whatever's going on. It helps us to remember what's really, really important. All these other things, shifting, fading, kingdom, Jesus, never changes, always remains. Okay, so Mark 14, 22 to 26. Has I read that one yet? I haven't read it, okay. And so they went eating, they were eating, and Jesus took the bread, blessed it and broke it, and he gave it to them and said, take, eat, 
this is my body. And then he took the cup. When he gave thanks, he gave it to them. And they all drank. And he said to them, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it in new with the kingdom of God. I submit to you that Jesus is looking forward to the wedding feast. He's longing for us to come and be like and to recognize he's here, but he also is looking forward. All right, so now let's look at John, what John has to say. Look at John 6. John 6, verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to the everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. And when they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. So, what's the work of God? Believe in him who sent. Who was sent? Jesus. Okay. And then they, and therefore, they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? Now, this is in context after the food they're talking about is when the 5,000 had been fed. Okay, has anybody ever seen a sign like that? You know, in my younger days, I used to like read Exodus. and like, I don't see why they're grumbling, complaining. Haven't they seen? And yet I find myself grumbling, complaining. And yet I've seen so much of his goodness to us, to me personally. That's why I'm saying we need to ask the Holy Spirit when we're reading the scriptures that we say, Lord, show me, bring conviction, help me to see so I can be transformed. Therefore, he said to them, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe? What work will you do? Our fathers ate manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you bread from heaven. But my father gives you the true bread from heaven. But the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger. And he who believes in me will never thirst. But I've said that to you, that you've seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. 
See, Jesus was fully God, but fully man. We can't lose sight. He was fully God. He is fully God. Fully man. In that garden, he cried out, Father, take this cup from me. You know why? Nobody wants to be hurt. How many of us do everything we can to protect us from pain? <laughs> Avoid it. And Jesus knew full well what was about to happen because remember, he was what? Slain from when? The foundation of the earth. And he's like, Father, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. All right, let me find my place again. This is the will of my Father who sent me, that all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up to the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. The Jews complained about him then because he said, I am the bread which came from heaven. And they said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it that he says, I have come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to them, Do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone who... Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless he believes in me, you have everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. But the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. And then the Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live because the Father, so he feeds on me and will live forever. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not the bread that your fathers ate, the manna, they're dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. Okay, John, this, John, Jesus said this way before they were sitting at the table. And he goes on, and he talks about, in, right after this, he talks about how one was among him who was going to betray him. And then John, the Gospel of John in 13, Jesus washes their feet, and then it says, he who dips his bread, he's the one that's going to betray him. Jesus knew all along what was going to happen. I need more water, apparently. We're going to transition and take communion together. And I want you to you know, shut your Bibles and posture your hearts. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit to help us to see and experience this table that he has prepared. for us.
this one that has washed us. by his very own blood. This one who came, this one who walks amongst the lampstands, this one who's coming again, Jesus, I pray that we would never lose the wonder. Of the gift of the bread of your life. In your blood. In Corinthians, it, Paul speaks to the church, Corinthians, and he was aware that some of them had forgotten, lost sight of this, this powerful purpose and what happens every time we take this cup, this bread, we are proclaiming his death. It's not a light thing. It's a powerful thing. That, and when you're in that place where it's so dark, he invites you to come to the table and fellowship with him and to take him in. Paul says, I've received from the Lord that which I've delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night which he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. I want you to pause. Don't take it yet. And he said, take this and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant, my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, when you eat his flesh and you drink his blood, that's what that is. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I where mine is. There's something powerful about just, I know I, I use a lot of scripture, but the, the word of God is living and acting so much more powerful than anything that I can say. And there's something that Jesus does. He washes us with his word. So I'm just going to, for communion today, when you're ready, when you're ready, I'm just going to read scriptures about this one who prepared a table, who was before the, the foundation of the earth, the lamb who was slain. And when you're ready, see, this is a time to, to search your heart, say, Holy Spirit, I don't want anything in the way from fellowship with you or fellowship with one another. And see, that's the thing is, is his kindness. He's, there's no condemnation. You're in Christ. There's no shame. And if you're not in him, you can come. All you got to do is just believe. And you come and you go, Jesus, I'm still struggling with blah, 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 blah. Would you forgive me and transform me and change me? Or I'm worried about this, but I'm going to stand here and believe the power of this table you've prepared for me right here and right now. And I look forward and I anticipate the time when we get to come into the feast. And I want to be one that's ready, not so busy, not so divided, not so disfocused but ready this is Isaiah 53 see once again this is Isaiah who was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before he came listen to this who has believed our report and to who has the arm of the Lord been revealed for he grew up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there's no beauty 
that we should desire. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And we hid as if it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our grief. He has carried our sorrow. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who would declare his generation? He was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked. But the rich at his death because he had done no violence. Nor was any deceit in his mouth. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he will see his seed. He will proclaim, prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. He will see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. He will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great. And he will divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul into death. He was numbered with the transgressors and he bore the sin of many and he's made intercession for the transgressors. God provided something for us that they should be made perfect apart from us. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, remember, remember those that were waiting and they hadn't seen, and yet God said, I prepared a city, that great cloud of witnesses. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher. Say that with me. The author and the finisher of our faith. For the joy, listen, for the joy set before him. You know what that joy is? You and me. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross and he despised the shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen, all who dwell on the earth are going to worship something. Those whose names haven't been written in the book of life of the Lamb, the Lamb who was slain from the foundation of the earth, they're worshiping the beast. But we worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Anyone who has ear, let him hear. John, the Baptist, the forerunner, he said, the next day John saw Jesus coming and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Therefore, gird up your loins of your mind and be sober and rest on hope fully until the grace 
that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ is obedient children. Let us not conform to our former lust as in our ignorance, but as He has called you, He is holy. We also are to be holy in our conduct because it is written, be holy for I'm holy. If you call on the Father, who without partiality, He judges according to each one's work. Conduct yourself through your time on the stake. This is Peter. He's saying, while you're here, conduct yourself in the fear of the Lord. Knowing you weren't redeemed with a corruptible thing like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus as a lamb without spot. He indeed foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these just for you who through him believe. He was raised from the dead and gave him glory. So you have faith and hope in God. Jesus, I thank you. We thank you. We thank you and we praise you for this table that you've prepared. We thank you that you humbled yourself and put on flesh knowing that you would be despised and rejected. But you did that for the joy set before you because you loved us. You died that we can live. And I pray, Lord God, that we would be a people that would fall in love with you in such a way that everything is consumed with you as our first love. I ask, Lord God, that there would be encounters of you, with you, and that we would be hungry. We would not be filled with the things of this world, but that we would hunger and thirst for righteousness. Guys, I, I keep hearing this um, in my spirit. I haven't put a lot of preparation into it, but I believe we have been in a season of Psalm 23. He's restoring souls. He's been healing. He is preparing a place the table in the presence of our enemies. He's anointing heads with oil. His goodness and mercy follow us all the days of his life. We'll dwell in the house of the Lord. And I believe we're, that's all true, but I believe we're coming to a Psalm 24 season. The earth is the Lord's. Just a confidence. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all in it. He established it. He founded it. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart and doesn't lift his soul up to an idol or swear by what is false. This is the, the generation. This is Jacob, the generation who will seek you, who will seek your face. We want to be that generation, Lord God, seeking your face to say, lift up over your gates, lift up your everlasting doors that the King of glory can come in. Like he's coming back. And I, but see, the thing is we're to live such a way that wherever we go, we're making room for the King. Lift up your heads, O you gates. When, when things are hard and it's difficult, tell yourself, lift up your heads, O you gates, that the King of glory comes and I need to get my eyes, not on this, but on him. To see what he's doing. He whose mind has stayed on him walks in perfect peace because he trusts him. Amen. Amen. If you haven't taken the elements yet, let's go ahead and take them now together. Lord, we thank you on the night you were betrayed, you took the bread and you broke it. And you said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, you took the cup of the new covenant, which was your blood. 
And Lord, you said, drink this in remembrance of me. And we thank you, Jesus, for your bread, for your body, and for your blood. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Good word. Well, I bless you this day. And as you go, I pray the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine on you, be gracious to you, and that he lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom peace in the name of Jesus.